So state of Minnesota, you've got statehood four years after the 54 treaty and three years after that, after the 55 treaty. Like these were huge blocks of land that created the state of Minnesota. So all we're doing is telling the story of how the state came about. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is a place for Native folks to tell their stories. And every week, we have great conversations with wonderful guests from a whole bunch of different backgrounds. We talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. And it all centers around finding purpose in our lives. So once again, another week, Amplifying Native Voices. It's always fun, always a pleasure. How are you doing, Cole? I'm doing great. Um, you know, we're just getting past like the holiday season, so a lot of family gatherings. I uh, got to spend some quality time with the nephew, Marvin. Mm-hmm. He talked He's your ear well. off about video games. <laughs> yeah. uh, we... we <laughs> Brought up some in a well, some mature <laughs> themes for video games, which we maybe shunt of, but mm-hmm. Clock Tower, check it out if you ever do. Um, and just hearing about his archery stuff, that's great. He seems like he's doing improving with that, and it was great. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good. I think you know it's hard to get into that. Next phase of season after mm-hmm. all the resolutions are made or not made. Or not, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, here we are in the cold light of day. <sighs> Once again. <laughs> and you do uh, plenty of, you know, driving back and forth oh. from <laughs> the northern lands to the cities. And I'm curious if, I mean, it might be a little bit out of the way, but if you've seen any of these 1854 treaty signs uh, put up by the Minnesota Department of transportation. I absolutely do. I see yeah. them and when I see them I go, "Oh." <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm like recognize I put like my hand up, fist up, like proud. It's cool to just, you know, now you know where you are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's all it, it's native land, right? But it's cool to see that that marking just to, as a reminder. Exactly. And I I I bring it up because our guest today Played a big role in getting those signs up, and I believe that started in late 2021. Um, and I believe they put up 12 signs in northern Minnesota. So uh, it's good to see that. Uh, you know, people probably drive past it and are like, "What is? What is this?" And you know, they'll <laughs> <laughs> they'll learn something. They'll uh, Google it and check it out, and uh, you know, bring more awareness to the history that is all around us. So. Um, yeah, so we're very excited to speak with our guest today, Levi Brown. Levi Brown is a Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe citizen and director of tribal affairs at the Minnesota Department of Transportation. And as we mentioned in recent years, he played a big part in uh, MnDOT putting up those signs, recognizing treaty boundaries, a first for that agency. Um, can't wait to talk to him about that, how MnDOT works with tribes. Uh, I know he's had uh, plenty of experience with the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe as well. So, uh, you know, excited to talk with him about all that and just how he shares his gifts with the community, you know, the big part of our show. So, 
And here he is, Buju Levi. Anin, um, Levi Brown, um, Dijinakas, Makuns and Dijinakas, coming to you from uh, the Leech Lake Indian Reservation, more specifically the New Pumbing community on the north side of Cass Lake. Well, thanks, Levi. And it's great to be talking to you today. What is on the top of your mind? Well, that that, that is kind of a, a good starting off question because I've been going to, a, I just got back from a funeral. Um, I've been going to a lot of funerals. And the thing with it is, is a lot of them are folks I went to school with or grew up with, you know, so they're late 30s, early 40s, um, even some younger than me who, who are maybe in their early 30s and 20s even. And, and I'm really worried about the hopelessness that I think our communities are still facing. I mean, we're doing so well in a lot of areas, but but there's still a lot of people struggling. And and I think from somebody who, like I said, I'm very thankful for the life I have and, and, and the way the creators blessed me and my family and everything we have. But at the same time, you know, part of our teachings and how we live our lives is to make sure we're looking around ourselves and, and aware of what's going on. And, and I live, like I said, right on the north side of, of the Leech Lake Indian Reservation. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to explain this to my, my children, but at the same time, you know, why is it on the top of my head? It's because, you know, a lot of these folks, you know, their kids I'm, I see in events, whether it's a sporting event, a community event, you know, and I, and I know their parents, I, I knew who they were. And it's very difficult because I, I worry that what that next generation will face and, and are we, are we, am I am I doing enough to 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 help set them up in, in a way that you know is positive or that, that they can have opportunities and maybe just because it is a you know coming out of a pandemic and you know th- there's a lot of people not here physically with us right and and I think that that part is emotional to a lot of people and and I think it impacts a lot of people's emotions and how they're seeing the world right now and so I'm a little worried I mean I, I guess. To, to answer your question of why that's on top of my mind and get back to that part is I think as Indian people, we're, we're always, we're always thinking of each other. We just don't say it all the time. And, and I think that that's why it's on top of my mind. Cause I really feel like a lot of the folks I see, you know, we're not, there's no guarantee for tomorrow. And so I've been trying to make sure every time I see somebody, even though, you know, I may see them every couple of weeks or whatever, that I at least acknowledge that I see them and, you know, and that they're there and, you know, they matter and just kind of share that with them. Cause I think um, in today's world of technology and zoom meetings and all these other things, we, we lose that human touch, human conversation that really ties us together. I appreciate that so much. Making sure we have connections with people is so important for so many aspects, you know, spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, all of those things. And so I really appreciate you bringing that up about acknowledging people and that benefits them and you. So it's like this great like reinforcement of connection. And I see here that you consider your proudest accolade is being a father and how your children remind you of that too. What changes when you're able to interact with, well, young people, your children or others that impacts somebody beyond the moment of interaction? You have to go back to how I've experienced the world and what I've seen going through time where I was raised by my grandfather. And so 
the way he did me. I mean, I spent every day with him. I mean, going through my career as an adult, I remember having, when I first um, got my first job as environmental land director for Leech Lake and was a leader at age 23, I remember going into a community meeting and I remember them looking at me and being like, well, who is this kid, right? And I remember having them name drop and say, oh, I'm Sherman Brown, senior's grandson. I was that little kid. And then they're, oh yeah, oh yeah, hey, you're Sherman's grandson. You know, right, how our communities are closed off and how much that meant to me that, that trail was blazed that 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 time I spent with him because then when I look back now today and I, and I just look at my life as all the the people I grew up with a lot of them some are doing very well right and then some are struggling or are struggling or, or maybe have, have passed on a lot of people are incarcerated too and and you know because I grew up on you know on track 34 track 33 here on Leech Lake and it's not, you know, they, they wrote Star Tribune articles of these neighborhoods, right, of, of how we grew up. And I look at it now today, and that's that experience of what do I want for my children? What What's different from me and some of the other folks I grew up with? And I realized that it was the legacy of, of my, my my grandfather, how he parented me and, and what he showed me, what, what parts of the world he chose to show me. There's a finite time we have with each other. And I think that just kind of goes back to never wasting a moment and always making sure that we're taking that time to, to, to improve each other's lives. And I think as a father, that is why I probably said that in my bio, every bio I've ever put is, is that I feel like when it's all said and done at the end of my time here in my physical form, like my children are my legacy, right? They will take that and go to, you know, whatever level it might be and, and if I do a very good job of showing them the right ways and how to live their life, then I've done my part to my community, to my nation, you know, and, and, and more onto a broader, the United States, whatever you want, society in general, the earth, right? Our mother, like you, you do your part and, and, and it sounds like it's, it's heavy and complicated, but at the end of the day, I think that's what makes you smile at the end of the day is when your kid's looking at you and, and they're like, that's my dad. Do they say that when they, when they see the, the treaty signs? <laughs> so my my wife my wife is from Boys Fort. So let's put it this way: you talk about um, making an impression on on your family. And, and my wife's grandfather is Gary Donald, who was like a four term chairman, and he actually was part of the, the leadership group that started the eighteen fifty four Treaty Authority. So you talk about getting in the good graces of, of your in-laws. I mean, <laughs> you, can't, you can't get any better than that. But no, in reality, like, um, you know, one of my daughters is enrolled in Boys Fort. The other one is enrolled there at Leech Lake. And, you know, you, you look at that. What does it mean to them? I think they're a little bit young. My sons understand it because we have, you know, we, we gather a lot. So they're, they understand what that is and, and where those conversations are going towards and what it means. But I, I do look forward to the days where, you know, they ask me, you know, what, what it took and what that actually meant and, and how those conversations are had. I, I think that's the part of celebrating with each other, right? This isn't just a MnDOT thing. This isn't just, I mean, all Indian people, to, to have people acknowledge that the treaties, I mean, that's the first step to maybe, you know, honoring them in a lot of ways is just acknowledging that they exist. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of uh, what's what's made my my work, you know, valued. And at the same time, what keeps me getting up in the morning and, and really pushing hard towards 
the work that I do do in Indian country with tribal nations and with the state of Minnesota. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Levi Brown, Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe citizen and Director of Tribal Affairs at the Minnesota Department of Transportation. We mentioned the the treaty signs off the top of the show, um, but let's take a step back just a little bit on that and just get to your role at the Minnesota Department of Transportation. Um, You've been Director of Tribal Affairs going on five years now. Could you just talk about how it's been and what the goals of that position have been? It's, we we are growing and moving in, in leaps and bounds. And what I mean by that is when I started under the date administration is when I, when I had started, that there was an executive order talking about uh, government relations between tribes and, and the state of Minnesota. And then when the Walsh Planning Administration took over, there, there was a, a recrafting of that executive order that was very, you know, very direct in how we were going to do this this work. And I remember when we were crafting and having a conversation about what the, the relationship should be and what our goals should be and how our work should be, I, I was very proud that, you know, we were going to have honest discussions with tribal nations because for, for too long, you know, I think there's assumptions made on, on both sides. And I can say that because for, like I said, for, 10 years I worked as Leech Lakes Environmental Land Director and I had tons of assumptions of what the state of Minnesota was doing. And lo and behold, I go and start my work at the highest level working for the Commissioner MnDOT and I was completely wrong in my assumptions. 100% wrong in a lot of areas. And one of the things within my work that I thought was most important was how do we take the historical norms of tribes and the state of Minnesota always not trusting each other not being advocates for each other, um, in, in some ways, maybe a paternalistic view. Like, how do we change that to we're allies, we're partners, we come into the room together and we're going to solve problems and we're going to, you know, tell each other the truth, even if it's a tough truth. And, and I think that that part of the work starting out was very heavy. Like, it was a heavy lift. And I was one of five tribal liaisons at the time. Now there's 20, I think 26 of us. You know, in just that short window of time. Now, you know, the, the agencies have the capacity to adjust, you know, state agencies. And why I'm saying that, you know, I work for MnDOT, right? But at the same time, tribes most of the time, and, and goes the other way towards even tribal governments, is, is we see each other as the tribal nation and then the state, you know, right? So, so the state has entities, different entities, but they all represent the state. And so, you know, if you have an agency like mine who's had a liaison since 2001, and then you have new agencies who are just getting liaisons on, getting their agency up to speed and, and have the capacity to be successful in Indian country, I think is has been very rewarding. And, and so I look at it now and I have tons of talented counterparts around the state working for different agencies, doing wonderful work with, with tribal nations, you know, in their agencies. And at the end of the day, you know, my biggest goal, somebody asked me, what's success at MnDOT, Levi? And I would tell them that if we got to the point where 10 years down from five years, wherever it's at, and somebody asked, not me, but one of our staff members and said, hey, why do you work so closely with the tribe? I would love for the consent, and that's what works best for us. You know, that's 
a goal of mine. That's really what I want to see because I think there's just tons of, of shared um, ownership and, and shared, what I mean by ownership of the relationship, right? And we wanting to have a better future for all Minnesotans, including, you know, tribal members. And, and because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of times it's the institutions that, that really divide us, you know, because when we look at ourselves, we're, we're human beings, we're all connected. But it's these these ideas of, of ownership or institutions that really put some huge barriers between us. And I think once, you know, working with the state government, once I realized that the assumptions I had were wrong, I could open the door for not only my agency, but, you know, other folks to, to have those real genuine conversations with tribes. And I use this analogy, and I'll stop after that, is that, that you know, when, when the U.S. goes into a meeting with Russia, they're going in with obviously very limited what they say how they say it, very scripted, right? But if the president's sitting down with the prime minister of Canada, they might be joking. They might have a conversation on the part. They might talk, frankly, about something else because they're going in with context that one is an ally and the other one maybe is an adversary. Or And it's the same thing, I think, when you look at in a smaller kind of geopolitical way of looking at tribes in the state of Minnesota where we would come into the meeting. I would. I mean, I, I'll be first one to tell you, when I work for Leech Lake, I... I had that view of the state. I'm like, oh, what are they trying to cook up now? What's going on? You know, and and I was younger. I, I probably didn't have that experience. And I think until I went to work for the state of Minnesota, I think it took time for me to have that conversation. It, is everybody perfect? Do we get it right every time? No. But I think that's the whole point is you keep working to get it to where you walk into that room and you can have that open, transparent relationship. So I want to touch back on the the MnDOT signs and the treaty boundaries. Um, and you t- you talk about you just talked about like all these conversations that need to happen and uh, work between tribes. Uh, what you know? What did it take uh, for that to happen? Those signs to happen. So so it took eleven years. Chairman Norm Deschamp is the one who had brought it up to MnDOT, and you know the project was was going well through my predecessors it was it was moving through and, and my part of it where i saw it really getting stuck was there was a lot of people asking about well if we do it what are we saying and i think once we told people what it said i think people just become oh yeah what it really says and what we told folks as we were going through this is that you know a lot of times people think tribal nations got something in a treaty right like oh you got something no most trees ceded things. In this case, the Fitur ceded land. So state of Minnesota, you've got statehood four years after the 54 treaty and three years after that, after the 55 treaty. Like these were huge blocks of land that created, you know, helped create the part of the state of Minnesota. So all we're doing is telling the story of how the state came about, right? The 54 is a huge block of that. And I, I think once people really kind of saw that and understood what the treaties were and what they weren't, I think that helps people maybe just be more comfortable with why that's there, why that's part of the legacy of, the, of this state. And so my, my role kind of going through that was, again, to help connect people to when you have to make a decision or where something is a decision, that that decision is not just to make you feel good. It's, it's the reality of what our history is and just being okay with that. Awesome. Did, you, did we touch upon the tribal state relationship training um, and just how, how that fits in to, you know, collaboration between state and tribes. 
so the tribal state leadership training um, was something that was started a couple years before I, I had uh, started my service with the state, but I had participated on the tribal side as a panelist. And what's unique about the tribal training is it's brought forward from a tribal lens, from a tribal nation lens, a tribe hosts it, you know, an individual tribe will host it each time. And that tribe will tell their stories. They will have an administrative panel, which might have some tribal officials on there. It will have a cultural panel, which might have elders or tipo or, you know, different folks within the community. And then at the end, we'll have a tribal leaders panel, which will have most likely a representative from the host tribe. And then maybe in a Dakota leader or tribal leader or however wills, anywhere from three to five leaders sit on that panel. And that's a two and a half hour panel at the end where state officials are able to interact with tribal leaders. And why I'm so such a supporter of the training, even, I mean, it is obviously housed within my office, but what has I've watched is it, it showed me that ownership in that relationship, that if you really want your institution or your enterprise, the state of Minnesota to, to change that relationship in a long, sustainable, meaningful way, those who were implementing, those who were the mechanisms within those institutions had to understand what they were doing and had to understand Indian country. And you had to build their capacity up to understand why treaties matter, what the treaties were about, why you know tribal nations, societies look the way they do, whether it's from boarding schools or whatever impact was there, you know, and where the reservations are located, what's the legal ramifications of Indian country, you know, why is this a political identification versus a racial? Once you build that capacity amongst uh, a public servant, a state employee, their ability to function in any country, a thousand times better, right? They just, they have a better understanding. And so I often tell people when they say, oh, Levi, you know, Minda, you guys do really, really well. You guys are doing great. I'm like, yeah, I, it's not all just me. Are those people who have taken that training who now are part of the institution I am, they are fully capable of working with tribal nations. Will, they st will there still be issues? Oh, I mean, I'm sure you guys are brother and sister and have staff meetings and you still don't always agree. I mean, everybody is, we're never always going to agree. Like 100%, it's not going to happen. But if you can understand each other and you don't come in with a jaded assumption of, hey, you're a tribal member and you got this for free and how did that happen? If that's out of the way and you're actually educated to what that is, you can just get past and have a conversation about what the problem is you're trying to solve and how you're trying to address it. And so with the training, I, I watch all these agencies now come and take the training. And I watch their staff go out and function in any country. And then I meet somebody who says, oh, my gosh, I took tribal state leadership training. I work for DHS, and I'm working with my tribal counterpart, and this has been so helpful and eye-opening to me. And, and I realized that was the historical norm part of it, right, that we had, I think the state has 58,000 employees. Think about all those folks interact in any country who – Basically, if only, you know, what, what is their, what is the shows they've seen? Dance with Wolves, you know, other things. I mean, I'm, I, we, we need to laugh and joke about that, but I mean, imagine that. And I think this is the experience part is I grew up on the res my whole life. I just, you know, I don't blend in well. I mean, it's, you, I, my physical presence is kind of, I mean, people can tell from the year round tan who I am or where I'm at. But at the same time, when I look at what my time was, my first assumption of state government, and now where I'm at now, how all these human beings just need help, just want to know what 
what, what the truth is. That's what the training helps provide is that truth and capacity to, for them to be successful and them to, to help deliver the services that I think, you know, the state of Minnesota, whether it's Republican or Democrat, all want to see the government be efficient um, and, and do well. So that's my, my big overall tone for the training is I think that it's really going to help continue the sustainability of the relationship between tribal governments and state government. And at the end of the day, you know, the, the, what we, what we present is authorized, is approved by the tribal nations. It's not something Levi Brown sits in a room and cooks up. You know, th- this is this is a tribal nations telling their story. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Levi Brown, Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe citizen and director of tribal affairs at the Minnesota Department of Transportation. This has been really wonderful to hear your perspective. I know I, I don't want to speak for Cole, but I personally feel the energy in your voice about that you're really into this work. And it's really a gift to be so excited about the work that you do. And I'm wondering how you got to where you are. How did you find yourself in this role with these passions? Where did that come from? My grandfather. I think my grandfather and my grandmother, um, completely different people, but the same passion for life, right? The same. My grandfather was never went to a boarding school, first speaker. My grandmother went to a boarding school. She's a Leduc from White Earth. She would talk to me about when they would have to go um, protest in front of the Catholic Bina school in town here and for Indian education. They organized a walkout with the students and, you know, and she was, she wasn't more than four, 11, five foot, but man, she was the power she commanded because of her passion, right? That if you're going to, if you're going to do something, you're going to care about them. Both of them were, they might've been different people, but this is something that they both had that same thing. If you're going to do it, do it, make sure it gets done because at the end of the day, you know, the, the time you have is valuable and it's finite. And, and I think when I was a teenager, I didn't understand that. I didn't see it. But as time goes on, and, and I thought I might get more tired, right? And I just turned 40, and I thought I might get more tired of being burnt out. And I feel like every moment I get where I'm re-energized by conversations with folks who, who see the change in their life. You know, my grandfather used to have to hide his canoe up in the woods when he went netting in the 50s. And, and I look today, me and my son go down to Lake Winnie, and we go, we'll go set our nets and a state game board, a state law enforcement officer will come up and go, oh, hey, how'd you guys do? And look in our boat, see all of our walleye, see all of our fish, and sit there. It's oh, looks like you guys did good. Have a good day. And leave. You know, and and that was in the spectrum of, what, 40, 50 years? That's where that tone comes from and, and that excitement is from my grandfather, my grandmother, to my children. And I guess I'm just in between tying it all together. That's great. Thank you so much for your time and uh, and all the work that you're doing. You know, connecting uh, tribal nations with uh, you know state uh, state transportation, and uh, you know all the other all the other things that you're doing with uh, you know this leadership uh, relationship training and, and and stuff like that. So thank you very much for your time today. Miigwetchen. I appreciate it. Nice to meet both of you. Thank you to Levi Brown, Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe citizen, 
and Director of Tribal Affairs at the Minnesota Department of Transportation. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabman. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.